Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, we did it. All right, good. Hey, uh, this is the final time together, and uh, I know, um, but uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, being with you, meeting you all, and before I dive in, I want to just honor some, some people real quick. Um, none of this could happen without the tireless work of the RVR staff, so can you just thank them for all they've done? This has just been so cool. And I also, while, while, you're, uh, while you're in that celebratory posture, if you can just give it up for Liberty Worship Collective for ushering us into the presence of God. So good. And uh, this is a special one because I want to speak to the students because uh, none of you would be here without the prayers, without the love and the support of your youth leader. So if you are a youth leader, will you stand? Will you stand? Can you, can you give it up for your leaders, please? Come on, you can do better than that. Come on. These people will do anything for you. Thank you so much, youth leaders, for all you do to invest into uh, your students. Um, it's just incredible. I hope that this weekend that you have uh, gotten an opportunity to encounter Jesus. And if you don't feel like you have, I'm going to give you another opportunity for that. But we are wrapping up our discussion on one family, and we've, we've been talking about this guy named Hosea, and over the past few days, we've been talking about aspects of being in the family of God, right? We've, we've talked about obedience, we've talked about forgiveness, we've talked about acceptance, all of these challenging things that are so beautiful if we accept those, but we've gone deep into the story of Hosea and Gomer over the past three sessions, but this morning, what I want to do today is I want to um, zoom out a little bit, right? For the past three sessions, we've zoomed in, we've gotten into the detail. I want to kind of zoom out a little bit and look at the big picture. If you were to take a bird's eye view of this story, uh, you will see a picture, and that brings us to our last characteristic of the family of God, and that is just love. It is the fundamental, foundational aspect of the character of God. God is love. It's just who he is. He doesn't necessarily only express it. It's just the nature of who he is. God is love. And when we really step back and we look at this story, we see how much God really loves Israel and how much God really loves you and me and the older I get, the more that I learn that God reveals himself through people, right? Whenever God intervened, like, uh, he, he, would, he would do it through people. And, and when we look at the story of Hosea, we see how God always works towards this big picture. God is always working towards this big picture. But in order to do that, God works in intimate detail. God's always going and moving towards this big picture, but he uses intimate detail. God uses people to tell the story of who he is. And I want you to know that God will use your story to show off who he is. 
right? We see this picture of Hosea, this godly man marrying a prostitute, and God uses this intimate detail to express a big picture idea. And you could be here with a story that God is very well using to show other people about who he is, right? God will use anything in your life. My, my pastor back at home, he always says, God will never waste a hurt. God will never waste a pain. So anything in your life that is, that is hurtful, anything in your life at all, God will use to bring glory to himself and to show others who he is. But just because God loves you doesn't mean life's going to be perfect. Right? Just because God's got a plan for you doesn't mean that everything's just going to go completely smoothly. smoothly. God is a perfect God who loves imperfect people. Perfect God who loves imperfect people. And earlier this year, I was challenged um, about my love for God. I was challenged this year about, like, do, do I really love God? Like, what am I doing to show my love for God? And a few weeks ago, my wife and I, we went away to uh, have this like 2020 dream session. Like we just wanted to get, get away uh, from the noise, get away from the responsibility and just kind of focus in on what God wants for us. And in this conversation over the, that weekend, we picked a word uh, that would kind of define our year. And I would encourage you, if you've never done that, I know we're two months in, but you, you can, it's never too late to do this. I would, I would ask you to seek God and, and pick a word that will define your year. Pick, pick a word and, and, and write it down, plaster it all over, all over your room or locker or whatever. Pick a word. But the word that I chose that I feel like God was, was putting in my heart was this word deeper. I just want to go deeper. I feel like God is taking me deeper. I feel like um, I need to go deeper with God, with, with my family, with, with those I'm connected with. Now, uh, when, I, when I think naturally of this word deeper, I, I think of water. Right? Did anybody like to swim? You're a swimmer. Any any lifeguards in here? Okay. Okay. Um, I I don't know about you, but my mind naturally goes to water and swimming. I I think I like swimming. Um, I think maybe I don't. Maybe I just like the idea of swimming. I think it's kind of cool, but um, I actually don't know like how to swim. Um, I I'm the kind of guy that um, I'm called a clinger, and um, I, I I am hanging out on the edge. And you know what I mean with the edge, like they're always sloped, so it's a comfortable resting spot for your forearms, you know? So you're just kind of like chilling here and the wave's kind of just taking you. Uh, This is a dance move that I created. It's called the clinger. I recommend using that later. Um, But I would would constantly do that. Now, I don't, um, I would either hang out on, on the side or I would get right up to the line where the cliff happens. Like, we all know the cliff in the pool. Like, it's usually at the four foot line, and as soon as you step foot on that cliff, like, Gravity takes over, and you're like, boom, and then you're dead, like, because that's what happens if you don't know how to swim, right? You're on the edge, and then it's like life and death is literally on one line, right? And uh, I don't necessarily have a fear of swimming. Um, I have a fear of drowning, right? Like, I think, I think that's normal, right? Like, I think that's natural to, to fear that, right? Out of all the ways to die, drowning's pretty tough, right? Like, that would not, that would not be fun. Like, you know what's going on. Like, I'm dying, um, and I can't stop it. Like, that's frightening, right? Um, and I like to be in the shallow end because it's hard to die in the shallow end. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to die there. And um, this past summer, um, I took, uh, I gave, uh, I didn't, uh, we took our kids to get swimming lessons. Uh, thank God for that. And I'm so grateful that they got those lessons, and um, I was never fortunate enough 
to have swimming lessons as a kid. Um, I was a larger kid growing up, shocker, and um, I don't know what it was. Maybe my parents just thought that I would just bounce in the water like a buoy, you know what I mean? Just like, I would just be like hanging out like... Like, they, 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 wouldn't, they wouldn't care. Like, oh, he, he's buoyant. Like, he, he'll just, he'll bounce. Like, that's kind of like probably what my parents thought. Like, yeah, he's round. Like, he'll naturally float, you know what I mean? But um, I, I, never, I never got that. And I will never understand how to tread water. Um, I've tried. It didn't work. Um, hence, clinging. And so um, I, I just didn't do that. But at swimming lessons, they, they taught my kids... Uh, hey, uh, they, they told Brady and Olivia, you know, pretend like you're stomping on bugs. Right, and so of course they're in the shallow end, and they're practically got the little floaties on, and adults don't have floaties. Well, I guess they do pool noodles. I should probably just use those. But they they had these uh, these kids in this pool, and they were just stomping on bugs, and they were moving their arms back and forth. So I was like, okay, if they can do it, I'm going to do it. So the next time I got in the pool, I said, all right, Rach, I'm going to stomp on some bugs, right? And so I was hanging out and doing my little cling dance, right? And I was like, all right, I'm going to release. And I was stomping on bugs. And, I was stomping, and apparently you're supposed to do something with your hands. I don't know what you're supposed to do with it. But I started just flinging. And it worked for like two seconds. And like Peter got down on the boat walking on water. My faith disappeared. And I sank. And I grasped for the, cling, the edge again, right? But then I felt like I was like that, that little monkey with cymbals. Like I was just like clapping. Like I don't know what. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. But this is not, clearly not working. And so I gave up. I just gave up. I'm like, I, this is not for me. Water is not for me. But what I've learned is that I preferred to stay where I had control. I preferred to stay where I was comfortable, right? And when it comes to my relationship with God, here's what I want you to know. Jesus will meet you in the shallow, but he's calling you deeper. Jesus will meet you in the shallow end. He will meet you where you're comfortable. He will meet you wherever you are, but he is calling you deeper. He's calling you deeper. When, re- when I reflect on my lack of aquatic skills, I realize that there were a few reasons why I did not like the deep end. Number, the first thing is I preferred control and comfort of the shallow end. I wasn't taught how to keep my head above water. I didn't take the time to teach myself. I gave up too easily, and I feared that something bad was going to happen. And when I think about our relationship with Jesus, I think those same things can be applicable to our lives as well. I think a lot of us love control and comfort. Maybe for you, no one's taught you how to go deeper with Jesus. Maybe your own personal discipline is lacking. Maybe you get the motivation to try, but when things don't turn out the way that you had hoped or the way that you were taught, You just gave up too easily. Or maybe you just think there's too much risk. You think it's not worth it. There's there's too much fear. There's too much unknown. But regardless of the reason, Jesus is calling you deeper. And in order to go deeper, we have to grow deeper. Everybody say grow deeper. Thank you. We are living in a culture today that if we're not careful, will hinder this growth. We think that of this world that we live in, right? Everyone is divided. Everyone feels like they have to pick a side. Our country is divided, and it seems as if there is brokenness everywhere. And, and we're, we're not unified. The country isn't unified. Our communities aren't unified. The church isn't unified. And this brokenness can lead us to 
distraction. And the amount of division and distraction from our culture can easily force us to remain in the shallow end. And so now we have this tension. We face this tension of how do we go deeper in a culture that doesn't want us to? How do we go deeper in a culture that can hinder our growth? How can we love God more in a culture that has turned its back on God? There was this guy in the New Testament. He was a disciple. His name was Peter. He was one of the top leaders on this, on this team that Jesus put together. And he wrote a couple of letters that were fortunate to have in our Bibles. And in the second letter uh, that Peter writes, he's offering some encouragement. It's not really clear on who he is writing to, but it is clear that he is writing to some Christians. And what I want to do is I want to focus on the second letter, Second Peter. And there's only three chapters in this letter, so it's not going to be too long. But what I want to do is I want to work backwards. I want to start with Second Peter chapter 3, and then I want to go reverse chapter 2, then chapter 1. In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Peter says this, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. It's easy to cherry pick verses like this out of the Bible and, and make them relevant to, to what we're going through, right? But what I want to do is I want to uh, lay out some context for you. I want to lay out some background. I want to kind of lay this out a little bit. Before he says this in the verse prior, verse 17, he says this, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the air and the lawless and fall from your secure position. Peter's saying that, hey, there's this reason why you need to grow deeper. There's this reason why you need to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. He's saying, hey, you need to be careful. There are some things in this world that can take you away from Jesus. There are th- some things in this world that can make you unstable. And we're living in the year 2020, but this letter was written around A.D. 65. And while this letter was written for people in A.D. 65, this letter is absolutely relevant to today. Peter's saying, hey, Christians of 2020, hey, uh, River Valley Ranch, Winter Meltdown, listen, be on your guard, be careful. There are some things in this world that are going to distract you. There are things in this world that are going to divide you. There are some things in this world that are going to confuse you. Be ready. Be careful. So here's my recommendation, church. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. But what does this really mean, right? I think we all understand what growing in knowledge means, but what does growing in grace really mean? A well-known speaker and author, John Piper, he says that grace is the wealth of God's kindness, the riches of his mercy, the soothing ointment of his forgiveness, the free and undeserved but lavishly offered hope of eternal life. Grace is what we crave when we are guilt-laden. Grace is what we must have when we come to die. Grace is our only ray of hope when the future darkens with storm clouds of fear. Grow in grace. How do we do this? Translated, we grow in God's kindness, we grow in his mercy, we grow in his forgiveness, we grow in his grace, and we grow in hope. In the second letter now, Peter details the challenges that they were facing. 
In that time period uh, of, of what Peter was writing, there were these false prophets and, and these false teachers who were distorting the truth. These, these f- false teachers, they, they hindered, they got in the way of people's true relationships with Jesus. And I believe that there are false teachers and false, uh, false leaders today, but we're facing other challenges that are getting in the way of our relationship with God. For example, we obsess over our image. Did you know that in 2016, this is just four years ago, there were 5.3 million beauty videos on YouTube? 5.3 beauty videos. People with fashion, makeup, hair, all because we're obsessed with our image. We are more distracted. In December of 2019, there were over 200 online streaming services. Over 200 online streaming services. We obsess with social media. We use it to compare. We're, we're too involved with Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, all, all, all the social media that, that is craving our, that we're craving the attention, right? We value our relationships with others over our relationship with God. According to the National Institute of Health, one in three adolescents ages 13 to 18 will experience an, an, an anxiety disorder. One in three of kids between the ages of 13 and 18 will experience an anxiety disorder. In 2017, just a few years ago, 6,241 suicides occurred in people between the ages of 15 to 24. The suicide rate in this age group is the highest it's ever been since the government began collecting this data in 1960. I'm not saying all of this to make you sad. I'm saying this to tell you that this is the culture we're living in. This is the world that we're currently living in. And just like Peter, we are living in this culture where the truth is being distorted. The truth is being distorted. Peter says this, 2 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 2. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, because of these distractions, the way of truth will be slandered. The way of truth. Evil is prevalent in our culture. Evil is distorting the truth. And in order to fight that, we need to grow deeper. We need to find out what the truth really is. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So in, 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 in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter tells us what to do, right? Grow in the grace and the knowledge. In the second chapter, he tells us why. Because there are distractions, there are false teachers, the, the truth is being distorted, right? But in the first chapter, Peter shares how to actually grow deeper. He says this, in view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive And useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from the old sin 
Catch this. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things, and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He starts with the what. He explains the why. And then he tells us how. He gives us this recipe to living a, a God-honoring life in, this, in the middle of this dark culture. Right? He says, start with faith. Start with faith, but then add in some moral excellence or goodness. Right? Then add some knowledge, some self-control, some, some perseverance, godliness, kindness, and, and finish it with, with love. Now, this all sounds great. Right? This all sounds awesome, but we all know. It's easier said than done, right? You, it, we, we, can, we can want to, to do all of those things, but life can get in the way, right? Life is hard, and the reality is that you want to live a life that has all of these ingredients in it, but it's hard, and trusting God is hard. Obedience is hard. For, forgiveness is hard. Receiving acceptance from God is hard, but we have to come to grips with the fact that God loves you so much and he wants to take you deeper. But I think we can get confused on what deeper actually means. So I want to ask you a question. You don't need to shout it out. But do you want more of God? Do you want more of God? Did you know that there will never be a time in your life where you obtain everything that God has for you? You will never Reach a day where you obtain all that God has for you. Do you know why? Because there will always be more. God is a God of infinites, infinite love, infinite grace, infinite wisdom, and all he wants is to spend more time with you. And when you spend consistent time with God, you will naturally go deeper. But here's the challenge that I face, and maybe you can relate. I would, I, would, I would have moments like this where I would come to a retreat or to an event or have this moment, and I would get motivated to spend more time with God. I would, I would start to pray more. I would start to open my Bible more. I would, I would start to, to study Scripture more, but, but then I would get distracted. What started as a habit, I would then begin to, you know, okay, it's okay if I miss a day. And that one day began, turned into two, and that two turned into a week, and that week turned into a month. And before I knew it, I would be back to this lazy faith. I would have this lazy faith. But what I have found is that when I surround myself with other people who have that same desire to want more of God, I was able to do more with other people. It was hard to do it on my own. But I was able to do more with others. And if you try to do this life alone, it will be difficult. Can it be done? Yes. But it's just not as fun. It's fun to do life with other people, right? I understand life is hard. I, I understand that being a Christian is difficult. But the beauty is you don't have to experience this life alone. You look at this tree and not one flower is by itself. It's all together with a group. It's all in, in this family. You don't have to do this life alone. And this is why we've done groups this weekend. This is why RVR was intentional to carve out time 
for you to get in a group and actually begin to to share about what God is doing in your life. Share the questions and the doubts, the things you don't understand. Because what I've noticed in groups is that when you're able to share what's on your heart, someone else has the opportunity and probably will say, you know what, me too. You struggle with that? Me too. You struggle with believing everything about the Bible? Me too. You struggle with this sin? Me too. And all Satan wants to do is isolate you, get you alone, say, you know what, you're strong enough to take care of this on your own. You're strong enough to tackle this. You don't need anybody else. But God has created this family so that we don't have to do this life alone. You begin to understand that there are people in this life who are going through the same things as you are. And when it comes to your relationship with God, we're all in a different spot, right? Maybe for you, like me at the pool, you, you prefer control and comfort in the shallow end. Maybe you don't have the examples to teach you and show you how to live that kind of life. Maybe you lack the discipline to set aside time to pray and just spend time with God. Maybe you've tried to live this way, but it was too hard or you didn't see the results you expected, so you gave up. Or maybe you just feared and you started playing the what-if game. What if this happens and I fail? And what if this happens and life doesn't turn out the way that I thought? And you find yourself stuck in the shallow end. You find yourself stuck in sin, stuck in comparison, stuck in self-hatred, stuck in toxic relationships, stuck in routine. But what I want to tell you is that Jesus will meet you in the shallow but he's calling you deeper. Keys, you can come on up. But maybe you're not even in the pool at all. You might be here and, and you've never started a relationship with Jesus. Can I just encourage you? We've been talking about the shallow end. Don't even worry about the shallow end. If you're not even in the pool, don't even worry. What you need to understand is that Jesus just wants to meet you, period. It doesn't matter what part of the pool you're in. He just wants to meet you, period. No matter where you are, you need to understand this, and this is kind of like my main theme of this morning. Jesus loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you as you are. He loves you as you are right now, jacked up, messed up, sin-filled, questioning, doubting, not even knowing who he is. He loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. It's this message of grace and truth because he will always have more for you. In John chapter 8, we see this woman caught in adultery and these religious leaders, they, they throw her at, at Jesus' feet and, and they, they tell him why she, should, why she has committed adultery and per the law, why she should be stoned to death, why she should die. And they, they ask Jesus what they should do because they were trying to trap him. And so he says, okay, you're right. The law does state that the penalty for adultery is death. You are correct, but whoever has never sinned, throw the first stone. 
whoever has never sinned at all, you, you're right, she should die. You're right, but whoever has not sinned, you throw the first stone. And then it says, one by one, they turned and left. I want to pick up this story in John chapter 8. It says, then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I, grace, but go and sin no more, truth. Neither do I condemn you. You should have died for what you did, but I'm letting you off the hook. And if, and if Jesus just offered grace, this woman would not have the conviction of what she did was wrong, right? But Jesus said, hey, I'm offering you grace. I'm letting you off the hook, but leave your life of sin. I love you. Eliminate this sin from your life. He loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you this way. Israel turned its back on God. God used Hosea to show Israel how much he loved them. And I believe our country is turning its back on God. And maybe God wants to use you to tell others how much he loves them. Maybe you can be that vessel that shows the world who God really is. He will meet you in the shallow, but he's calling you deeper. And I believe that there are people in this room who need to let go of the edge of the pool. Those who need to leave the comfort of the shallow end. But here's the best part. You don't have to do it alone. If your church or youth group has a small group, get plugged in. If it doesn't, create one. We need each other. We need to do life together. And we can learn how to tread water together. Earlier uh, this weekend, I, I, I used this term adoption, of, of being accepted into the family of God. My cousin, um, had a heart for Kenya and he went to Kenya to serve at an orphanage and he met this little girl at this orphanage her name was Sundi he fell in love with her right away and uh, he couldn't he could not leave without taking her back with him and so he he and his wife began this process of adoption of this little girl and there were challenges and uh, a whole lot of detail and unfortunately, he couldn't, he couldn't stay long enough to, to go through the adoption process, so he had to just trust that God was working, and so he went back home, and, and he found a way to go back, and while he was there, he, he met this little boy named Damon. In fact, his, his Kenyan name was, I don't even know what it, what it was, it was weird, but it meant gift. And the story of Damon was uh, his parents left him on the side of a road when he was like 18 months to, to two years old. And these people in an orphanage were driving through and they saw this child on the side of the road and they picked him up and, and they brought him to this orphanage and, and my cousin Jeremy met this little boy and said, I love you too. And 
a few months later, we met them at the airport in Baltimore with two children, Sundi and Damon, adopted into our family. And maybe for some of you, you feel like Damon before he was at the orphanage, kind of just not wanted, worthless, on the side of the road, no one's, no one's really caring about him, dirty. But God wants to adopt you. And it's when he adopts you and when you say yes to God, that is when you join this family. Salvation is when you become that child of God. When you say yes and receive this invitation, say yes to Jesus, that is when you join the family. That is when you become adopted. That is when you are that son and daughter of Jesus. So for the last time this weekend, I wanna lead you in a prayer. I wanna give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I wanna give you an opportunity to join this family. You see the picture of what it could look like You've put it off all weekend, and now it's time. So every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus, we've heard about obedience, surrender, forgiveness, acceptance, and we've heard about your love. This big picture love that works in intimate detail in our lives. If there's anybody here who, who wants to join this family, you want to be adopted into this family of God. Just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I know I've made mistakes. I know I have sinned. I know I am a sinner. I know that there's something in my life that is empty. And I understand that only you can fill it. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. And I trust that because I'm saying yes to you, I have been saved and I am now in the family of God. What I wanna do in this moment, if at all this weekend, if at all this weekend, you've made a decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to join this family of God, maybe for the first time, second time, fifth time, you're coming, maybe you're coming back home like the prodigal son. If at any point this weekend you've made a decision for Jesus, I just want you to lift your hand right now, right now. Come on, hands all across the room. If you've made a decision, come on, hold it up high, not because people are looking, but because you're showing God that God, I'm all in for you. Hands are all over this room. I want to pray a final blessing over you. You can put your hands down. Jesus, we thank you for this weekend. We thank you for the work that you've done. We thank you for speaking to us. I thank you for these youth leaders that now have this task of walking this out with these new believers, with these believers that, are, that have come back home. I pray, God, that you would give these leaders wisdom and discernment, but give them a heart for these students, God. 
I pray for every student as they go back to school tomorrow, that they're faced with these temptations, these challenges, this culture that is divided. I pray that they would be firmly rooted in who you are, that we would never uh, forget the fact that you are truth, even when so many people are trying to tell us otherwise. I pray that schools will be different. I pray homes will be different. I pray that teams will be different because of what you've done this week. And so Jesus, we love you. We honor you. Come on, can we celebrate Jesus this morning? Come on, God, we love you. Come on, give it up for him. It's all for you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.